Hello there and welcome to another episode of Full Time Team Talk. We're back, we're back after the international break. It's felt like a hell of a long time, hasn't it, James Hobbs? It sure has, basically, and doesn't make England make time fly by? Or drag, as the case may be. I don't <laughs> know. I didn't watch any of the England games. I, don't, I know you watched them. Um, to summarise, yeah, kind of, how would you... How would you summarise the international break for watching England? Well, you look at the England game basically where they won 4 0. Um, you know what? I can't even remember what team it was. That's Malta, how boring. Wasn't it? Malta. Malta, Moldova, any Who cares? Basically, these minnows of football who bake or, you know, do the post office basically during their normal jobs and then come up against, well, fucking class footballers and they you know give us a run for our money and you know like someone's i'm pretty sure said the most boring four nil that they've probably ever watched and then you know we go up against uh, uh slovenia or slovakia again doesn't really matter um and we we, we struggle against them and two very dull games it's england basically just being very dull under Gareth Southgate, no point of an international break, apart from the fact that I want some money. The <laughs> the life of an England fan, I'm I'm actually quite happy because now I'm supporting Northern Ireland. They actually made it um, into the playoffs and now they can't be caught in that second place. And, you know, yeah, it's an incredible well achievement for them because, you know, they're in a group with Germany. They're not going to win the group. Germany are going to win that. But, you know, to qualify with, I think there's two games left, basically, in the playoffs, I think it's an outstanding achievement. And I think you know the, those playoffs could be could be tough for any team because the record for them is that they have a clean sheet in every single group game aside from one where they conceded two goals away to Germany. So, very good results. Very very well done, Northern Ireland. Yeah, so I'm happy. Um, right. So basically, before we um, move into the Premier League, which is our bread and butter of the show, we will first chat about the Champions League. Um, now, Chelsea and Liverpool are back in the Champions League this this year. Um, so we're going to very very quickly talk about how our team has got on. Now, James, at the time of recording, you've just watched Liverpool versus Sevilla. I haven't watched it. I don't know the score. I don't know anything. So, as if you know, I'm a listener. Tell me all about it. What happened? Well, Liverpool being Liverpool, our defensive mistakes uh, cost us again. Uh, the game finished 2 all. Uh, Sevilla took the lead within just a few minutes of the game kicking off. Uh, and it looked like it was going to be another shambles for Liverpool. Uh, but then within about 10-15 minutes, Liverpool back 1-0. Um, we started attacking, looking like the attacking force that we can be. And we got to a stage where um, we scored the second goal and we looked like we were comfortably going to win the game. Uh, for, for, sorry, Roberto Firmino uh, missed the penalty, hit the post, uh, even though he had the entire side of that particular part of the goal to aim for because the goalkeeper dived the other way. Um and yeah, poor finishing or hurried finishing cost us the game because, once again, uh, defensive-wise, we cocked up and uh, Sevilla went and scored uh, late on, and we couldn't we couldn't find an answer to, make, to to win the game. So yeah, yeah, not it's a tough game. It's probably our toughest game in the group. Um, that and the away fixture against Sevilla, uh, but yeah, um, 
I'm not happy because well, we'll get basically into the crux of Liverpool's defensive problems when we come to the Premier League game later on. Yeah, so uh, you know, like it's it's true because even though it is you know your first game and it's at home, you would like to win that. But Sevilla are a very, very, very good European opponent. Um, so you never know; it could be it could be a point well taken. But I suppose from the point of view of having the lead and maybe being able to make it three-one, it must be um, frustrating for yourself and any of the Liverpool fans who are listening. Um, and it was a slightly more. I'll say relaxed evening for me last <laughs> night, as I I messaged you saying like, oh well, talk about the um, the Chelsea game on the show, and you were like, yeah, Chelsea are just gonna absolutely batter Carabag, and I was like, oh, I don't know, they're kind of an unknown team, don't really know what's gonna be like, don't know what team we're gonna play, but no, it was it was it was Chelsea six, Carabag nil, and it was as easy as you like. I mean, it didn't help that Carabag basically just forgot to defend on the night. It also helped that we basically rested. I think maybe Morata and Rudiger were probably the only players rested from our first team. So it's pretty much one of the strongest teams we could put out. Even Thibaut Courtois played in goal. I don't think he had anything to do all night. Um, but it was it was just a really really kind of relaxed evening. Um, everyone kind of managed to to play a part. And um, the one highlight of the night. And hopefully, I'm not sure if you've seen it, James, but um, hopefully listeners, you'll be able to tune in. Sorry, tune in. Um, go and watch it on YouTube or um, another streaming site if you can find a video of it. Is Chelsea's new right back, Zappa Costa, who basically takes the ball um, from in, deep inside his own half, runs on the byline about 50 yards, and then still from the kind of byline on the wing, absolutely just rifles it into the net. Now, at the time, I kind of jumped up and I was like, holy shit. But afterwards, I kind of watched it and it seemed like one of those ones that Harry Kane kind of scored against Everton where he probably didn't mean it. But at the same time, you're thinking, oh, he had to mean it. It looks amazing. But did you see that goal, James? I watched the whole game. I you watched did. every watched every goal that went in. And uh, yeah, I mean, at the point in time, I'd looked away from the TV and then I heard the uh, commentators absolutely go mental. So I turned around, watched the replay, and I was like, my God. But once you watch it over and over again, you kind of look, look at it and you think to yourself, what you've done is you've gone to try and get a really, really whipped cross in. Yeah, and you just haven't... cross that's gone yeah, in. You haven't given it enough... Well, you haven't given it enough whip, and it's basically gone straight. But the goalkeeper is basically caught out of position. Turns out to be one of the probably greatest goals in Champions League history from basically the, the angle that they get in from. Brilliant. And I think um, the other thing that's helped Chelsea as well is that obviously they have um, obviously that's the, going to be the easiest game in their group and the other two teams they have are AS Roma and Atletico Madrid who both drew 0-0 yesterday and um, James who are the other two teams in your group? I'm trying to remember now. Um, now you ask a question and this is where I'm Unprepared, basically, for the question. Um, with Sevilla basically being the worst, the worst of the Barcelona. two. Barcelona. Just joking. Let's have a quick. Oh look. God, no! Not with Barcelona. I, I can't take that. We've actually you got it have on our Spartak face. Moscow and NK Maribor, um, who, as I can see, drew one all. So, drew one all. I mean, that's also quite a. I mean, even though obviously it wasn't the result you wanted, it's quite good that the other teams drew. So. 
it's kind mm. of still as is nothing's really changed if you want to look at it that way i suppose the silver line yeah and they're, they're the easier two games uh the, the, the easier two of the group so hopefully we can uh, get results against them and continue on into the next days yeah so um if you want us to talk about your uh, your club in the champions league um let us know on our Facebook and we will do that but we're basically just going to very briefly talk about the Champions League and move on to another bit of news before we go to the Premier League and this came as a bit of a shock to us well I'm not sure if it was a shock because everyone was talking about it but I think it's ridiculous Um, Crystal Palace manager Frank De Boer was sacked a couple of days ago and he lasted only 77 days into his job um, managing only four games um, in the Premier League and uh, I mean James this this seems like no time at all and for someone who who looked like basically they signed him to kind of put an identity on their club and play a certain brand of football you can't do that in four games and I just it, it makes Crystal Palace in my in my mind look like a little bit of a laughing stock yeah I mean you, when you get someone in like Frank De Boer he did absolute wonders when he was working at Ajax I think he won the league three seasons in a row, and I think he may have won a cup in that time as well. Um, did really well there. And then, yeah, he didn't have the best of times when he went over to Inter Milan. He he decided not to take the Liverpool job when it was when it was offered to him um, at a time when it was Brendan Rodgers because he wanted to stay at Ajax. So you can't think to yourself, he was highly sought after. And for Crystal Palace to have enticed them into the team in order to come and manage someone who you consider to yourself some a team basically that's usually mid-table maybe just you know always touted possibly go down um in the relegation fight um so yeah to get him in was was i, I was astonished uh that they, he would even go to a team like that but i just am flabbergasted by the fact that crystal palace have gone and got rid of him after four games. Yes, they've lost all four games. Yes, they haven't scored a goal. But you've got to take into account that some of the players have to be to blame for this. And I don't think they've given you know Frank de Boer enough. I've been reading that there's been issues basically with the training that and the fact that he wasn't happy that uh, the, the likes of Mamadou Saka wasn't brought in. Uh, beforehand, you know, earlier in the transfer window, um, but this is the kind of thing that you expect. And I'm not trying to have a dig, but the likes of Chelsea to do, um, or Manchester City, or maybe even a Barcelona or a Real Madrid. Basically, someone who thinks of themselves that winning and you know winning 100% basically, and you know keeping themselves in title races and Champions League that's the kind of team you would expect it from not not Crystal Palace who are four games into a season and they're going to replace him with Roy Hodgson are you really getting a better manager and Roy Hodgson I don't think so yeah and the, the other thing as well is I think their performances I think we talked a couple of weeks ago um, about the Liverpool Crystal Palace game now mm. to my recollection that was a, a very close shave against a very yep. well-set-up Crystal Palace team who were unlucky not to take anything from that game. Now, I know, obviously, they haven't scored any goals in all of the games that they've played under Frank de Boer, but the other game they played, I think it was against Burnley, this final game, 
um, on Sunday. And, you know, they, they, they hit the woodwork a couple of times. They missed, you know, an open goal. They had the majority of the shots, everything. And apparently, from by all accounts, you know, they played very, very well. So, you know, it's, it's such a difficult thing. I mean, maybe his, like I, I've read before, his fate was kind of sealed already. But maybe maybe the, the fault lies with the Crystal Palace board hiring someone like Frank de Boer and just going, we're going to hire him because he's he's a name, he's a he's kind of a, a name for us, without thinking, is this actually the right person for this job, or do we actually need managers like um, Roy Hodgson or Sam Allardyce to kind of to keep us ticking over for our squad? Because maybe maybe he wasn't right for them, maybe he wasn't the right fit, and maybe that's a problem with the people who've hired him. I'm not sure, but I mean Roy Hodgson. I, I think Crystal Palace fans, if you're listening, I'm sure you'll be very disappointed with the club, and I I don't um, I don't envy you having to watch your games with Roy Hodgson in charge. If I'm honest, <laughs> well, you know what's interesting um, about the whole Roy Hodgson appointment, uh, I have been reading that Crystal Palace's uh, board had decided to replace the ball a couple of weeks ago. For what reason they decided, I don't know. Uh, like I said, training issues and, you know, fires the board may have been about, about the transfer uh, window. But very interestingly enough, I happened to be watching um, two weeks ago a... You, there's a new show on Sports uh, called The Debate, and it has two guest stars talking to about... Um, issues with uh, a guest pres- with a presenter, and in that show, they actually asked Roy Hodgson if he was presented another role um, in football, um, and especially if a Premiership role came up, would he take it? And of course, he turned around and said, "Yeah, of course he would." So it seems very weird that now. Within the same two weeks ago, apparently the, the troubles with Crystal Palace were happening have already begun, and that Roy Hodgson was already sort of saying, yeah, he'd take a job in football, that two weeks later, Roy Hodgson has a job in the Premiership at Crystal Palace. Very, very strange. Mm. Very conspiracy theorist of me. Let's get our tin four hats on. So, there we go. Frank DeBoer, we hardly knew ye. So... We'll move on into uh, we'll get we'll get it over for you, James. Um, we we watched this game together. Um, Manchester City five, Liverpool nil. Um, a game that really um, the main talking point was a Sadio Mane red card. This was after Guerrero opened the scoring. After what I can kind of achieve, I think you'll agree with me. Was I think Liverpool without creating a lot, they were they were. They had the better kind of movement and Salah was getting a lot of joy um, in behind the defenders. And all of a sudden, when it kind of looked like Liverpool might be turning the screw a little bit and going for it, Aguero pops up 1-0, rounds the keeper. Um, And then I think we were kind of saying, oh, you know, Liverpool still look good. There could still be a lot of goals in this. And then Sadio Mane gets a red card. And at the time, um, I didn't think it was a red card. And now... The days have gone by, it's been discussed to death by everyone, and I'm starting to maybe be inclined that it is, despite there not being any intent, and it obviously being an accident, there's no malicious intent at all from Mane. Um, 
but there is a side of it which I do think could possibly be dangerous play so I'm thinking of it that way so just for context whoever hasn't seen the challenge um, a long ball comes up Edison the Manchester City goalkeeper comes running out of his area Sadio Mane jumps up for the ball and Mane catches Edison in the face with his boot now the whole time to give it context the whole time um, Mane is going up for the ball he's looking at the ball the whole time he's got a great acrobatic leap to be fair and also I think I said this as well at the time of watching Edison does lower his face slightly he does make contacts and as soon as he goes down the, the referee comes over and he doesn't hesitate he gives him a red card so I mean James obviously you were disappointed at the time have you have you thought about it and have you have you thought about what you think of that decision um, a lot of things that you'll be hearing over the the last uh, few days since that uh, incident is that a lot of people are saying you know big pundits Gary Neville Alan Shearer you know I say Chris Sutton's a big pundit but you know let's add him in anyway um, it's everyone's basically defending Mane they're all saying that you know he only got off the ball it's, it's intent but again you hear them say the letter of the rule says it is a red card and that's basically how it is under the current rules I had no, I had no problem against sending off. To be to be fair, um, basically, Mane has jumped up. He has gone for the ball, but at the same time, his foot is about six feet in the air, and has just basically gone and clocked Edison right in the head and nearly took his head off. So, I mean, you look at the, the picture that Edison shared. I think it was on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, that of the actual facial scars that he received after that and the, the stitches and it's bad. It's bad. I've got, I've really got no problem um, with the sending off my brother who, and other people who are watching it. Uh, they did actually turn around and say it's harsh and everything. But I think when you, when you see it first time, you kind of think, Oh, well, you know, it is harsh. He's gone for the ball, blah, blah, blah. But no, once you watch it again, it is a red card. And I've, I've got no problem with that. I've what, problem is I've basically got is um, the the entire performance by Liverpool whether we got a red card or not to be fair yeah I mean after that um, Gabriel Jesus or Jesus have you like to say it um, scored right on the brink of half time um, which obviously made things a lot more difficult um, and then kind of in the second half the floodgates opened when Jesus scored another goal in 53 minutes and then Sané scored a couple of good goals and um, as you mentioned your brother before I think I was speaking to him at half time um, and he was basically saying you know I, I don't understand why Clavan's playing it hasn't helped at all and I think it and it did both because there are so many quick players especially kind of guys like Aguero um, Jesus, Sané these guys who scored and I don't think you know the speed of them basically kind of if you have someone like Clavan in the back, I think you know Matip's quite decent. At times, he was a bit flat-footed on the weekend, but when you're kind of playing that way, I don't think having a centre-back in Clavan does help. I mean, I'm not Lovren's biggest fan in general, but I think I'm not sure why he wasn't um, playing. But regardless of that, I mean, Mignolet as well didn't exactly cover himself in glory. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that this season. Um, but you know just in general I mean after, obviously the red card didn't help but I mean you know these defensive issues are and you know I, like I said the, 
just now it's probably something that we may talk about a lot this season but you know where does it stop where does this have to end with saying okay it's fine you know Klopp or your staff or whoever yep that's fine you can set us up to attack that's okay but at some point despite the players we have we need to be a more defensive unit and kind of when when's the point for you as a Liverpool fan when you turn around and go this just isn't good enough well, it's, it's already basically happened when we took on Watford in the first day of the season. We, as Liverpool fans will tell you, were annoying the fact that Klopp went out, decided that Van Dijk was the only choice as a centre-back that he was going to choose. And, and that wasn't going to happen. Southampton were adamant that it wasn't going to happen. There wasn't a case of, oh, but... Okay, we'll go for another player basically who's just as good. And he turned around and said, "We don't have um, Plan B players," which is ridiculous if you think to think he's now saying that Van Dyke, there's no one as good as him, and there's no one that will be as good as him available on the transfer market. Um, it's unlikely that we probably would have got. Um, uh, I think it was Benucci that moved over to AC Milan from Juventus, but he was available. He got sold, and he's a great, great defender. And then you look at uh, Howders, who left Schalke and went over to um, Juventus. And this is the thing: there are defenders out there, very good defenders, that Liverpool could have chosen to play, but we decided not to. Went up against Watford. We paid for our defensive frailty uh, against Watford and missed out on three points because you know the goalkeeper was awful and um, we also had really bad defending that day. We got lucky against Crystal Palace and even though we keep clean shit and we got very lucky the fact that Arsenal was so crap against us and we destroyed them 4-0 but then you come to this game against a team who has only strengthened over the summer in Manchester City. Now again we go to 10 men, fair enough, but that's not the end of the world. You know, you you, you go down 1-0, you play on the counter-attack, you try and get a goal. The problem with Liverpool was, in that game, apart from the front three, even though Salah was taken off at half-time, which I couldn't fathom, um, I can only sort of think that he was saving them for the Villa, but sorry, but you've got a game to try and win here. Didn't understand that at all. Um, but the entire... Back four, um, you can conclude Mignolet for this, even though, in all fairness, because of the defence, I can't really blame him as much. But you can include the entire back four and the entire midfield. The, the three midfield players were absolutely awful and gave nothing to try and stop any of that uh, work, basically, by Manchester City. Thoroughly deserved by Manchester City, absolutely terrible by the point. It goes to, like I said, it goes to prove tonight about the defensive frailties because Lovren came in for Carbon, what you'd think would Liverpool fans would want. Lovren was the mist but um at fault for the first goal. Um didn't could have cleared his lines but just basically went straight past him and scored a goal. So yeah, um this is not gonna be the last time we talk about Liverpool's bad defending. Um I just hope basically we've got some good goals to try and counteract that because otherwise we're gonna be missing out basically on the top four this season. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll see what is in store for Liverpool next week. I'm sure one answer will be goals. <laughs> but 
<laughs> We're not sure which end, but we'll see. Um, we're going to move on to Stoke City, Manchester United now. And this game finished 2-2. So, you know, this was Manchester United's first drop points of the season. Um, so there you go. It shows they're not going to win every single game this year. And it was a very, very good game. And um, I think it shows that Stoke, obviously, they've played Arsenal um, at home as well. And, you know, they've they've looked a lot more solid at home this year. Um, it was their new signing, um, ex Schalke Chupo Moting, who got a double. Um, he opened the scoring on the 43rd minute um, before Rashford equalised half-time and you thought, oh, here we go, because it was one of those goals where Pogba kind of headed it towards the goal and it kind of went in off Rashford and you thought, oh, here we go, now Manchester United are going to win this. And to be fair, Stoke looked okay in the second half and then Manchester United kind of came out of nowhere and Romelu Lukaku scored a uh, scored a goal from a defensive mistake from Joe Allen who lost the ball at the halfway line. Um, and then it was Chupu Moting who who basically equalised again. So you know they they really held their own Stoke, and I think you know they they weren't outgunned the whole time as you'd, you'd expect Manchester United to kind of take that game and go, yep, yeah, we're definitely going to win this. That'll be fine. Um, so you know I'm 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 pretty impressed with Stoke, and I think it's a good result for them. And you know obviously Manchester United beat Basel three 0 on the Champions League in the week. But it does show that there are going to be games that they are going to struggle with because the last, I'd say, three games that Manchester United have played, they haven't had too much of a of a problem with the teams they've come up against. So, I mean, this is quite a possibly a wake up call, and maybe maybe because I think we're guilty of it as well when we've had, when we had the last few weeks in the podcast saying, oh, you know, Manchester United could they be early favourites for the title? Maybe this sort of game is wake-up call to those people who've, who's saying, you know, no, you know, there's a long way to go in this season and they will have banana skins like this. Well, as a Liverpool fan, I would love to say that basically <laughs> this is the end of the run and that Manchester United are going to go on and, and uh, have several banana skins. We'll, but... we'll try and stay as impartial as we can. <laughs> well, the thing is, I think to myself that um, sorry, Manchester United basically have been exceedingly good for the first three games of the season. I mean, they scored 10 goals. I believe they didn't actually have any conceded uh, in any of those matches. Um, but you go to Stoke, it's a very tough game. You know, if you, if you can come away for Stoke with a victory, I think you've done exceedingly well. So, yeah, well done to Stoke, basically, for, hold, for you, know, you know, stopping Manchester United's run. But in all fairness, I do think it's just a speed bump and Manchester United will probably go back to dominating next week. Okay. Um, before we move on to our um, next game, we're going to have a look at our Fantasy Football League. And so, let's have a look at how we both did this week. So, from the scores, I can see that Ringo's El Gringo's got 31 points this week and West London Blues got 51. So, Another week, another win. How how do you react to this, Hobbs? I've got to be honest, my mind just went completely blank there. <laughs> I missed out what you actually said at what points. Who won? Sorry. So I won I won uh fifty one points to your thirty one this week. Oof. So That's quite a deficit really, isn't it? You know, to be you fair, sh- I mean oh well looking looking at the team now, I can't well, I had Marnie. Marnie's team. Um 
so you know um Lukaku is captain you know decent choice got um got 12 points for you as captain one player who probably should have been in the team for you who was one of the star players was um Elliot um from Newcastle who kept a clean sheet at Swansea and he got 8 points um so you know I am thinking about it, it always in, to be honest <laughs> it always happens and also oh 11 points for Decore as well that's a stinger oh. on the bench as well um, and then looking at my team, going over to that, I think I, I picked Harry Kane, who we'll talk about um, in a minute as captain, and he basically saved my game week because he got 26 points by himself as my captain. Um, but I was quite gutted because I left um, Lascelles, the Newcastle centre-back, on our bench, who got 15 points by himself, which is massive for a defender. Um, so I'm a little bit disappointed I didn't have him. I put two Southampton defenders in my team which kind of backfired a little bit. But there you go. There's always there's always next week. And um, the player who got the highest points this week is um, Simon Rutt, who manages the team Holmer Green Colts. So well done, Simon. Um, obviously, if you want to get involved with the Fantasy League, that's fine. It's kept open. You don't have to worry about your points if you've missed it or anything else like that. You'll just get added onto it. And like I say, we do this weekly. So it's all about who's got the most points during the week and um, yeah, get involved and at Christmas time we're going to have a little awards show and um, during that we'll pick the best team name and give you a shout out so Hobbs, any any tactics for your fantasy football team next week Any anything un- in your sleeve to, to beat me next week do you think don't leave decent players on the bench it would seem would be the, the best advice I can give because to keep, keep an eye on it because you get a few weeks into the season, the international break comes along, and then you think to yourself, "Oh, I've got other things in my life to think about." Because football's boring at the international breaks, and then you come back to the Premiership and you forget to do your team, and this is what happens: you lose to man out. It is. It is. Well, now we move back into the Premier League, and we're going to go to Everton, where they hosted Tottenham. And James, I feel like it's going to be another week. I think this has been the last two episodes running where we're going to stick the knife into Everton because they were absolutely abject against a Tottenham Hotspur side to be fair who were excellent Kane obviously it's not August anymore he scored two goals one of them was like the Zappacosta goal that we described earlier um, he scored another fantastic goal as well Christian Eriksen scored they were absolutely fantastic but Everton were abject and you know this shows really how how far possibly Everton are behind the the big teams? You know they only they only managed one shot on target the whole game Everton. Which when you're when you have a team of that magnitude, no matter who you're playing, one shot on target at home just isn't good enough. And I think could it be the could it be a problem that they've signed too many players and they're trying to fit them all in to gel, or do you just think the players they've bought they've spent a lot of money? Yes, but they're not good enough. What do you think is going wrong, Everton, for the last few weeks? I know they got a point away at Man City, but they didn't look great. And then obviously at Chelsea, um, the game I watched, they looked abject, absolutely awful. And in this game they did as well. So what do you think is the issue with Everton, James? Well, I've already said it um, when when the Everton's other games have gone on. Um, the first game, they scraped a 1-0 victory. They then went against Manchester City, and to be fair... Like we said, they took the lead, but then they sat back for the entirety of the game and let Manchester City get back into the game. And then I believe they lost the next game, if I'm correct. 
Uh, and then they've come up against Tottenham, and they've lost again. And this time, they look like they were absolutely hammered. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, for me, I think Coleman has bought... It's that old age-old thing where you've gone out and you think to yourself, we need to strengthen the team. But you go out and you buy, you know, probably 10 players, I think. It's probably more than that. I'm, I don't know. But, you know, you, you pick up too many players and they've got to gel. They need time to gel. And it's just not working for them at the moment. The good thing is they haven't sacked him and they haven't replaced him with Roy Hodgson. <laughs> Not yet, not yet. We'll see if they do do that. But I mean, you know, so it, it does show that Everton are possibly a little bit behind. But one thing I was listening, I was listening to a radio show, and they were saying if Everton don't get the top four with the money they've spent, is that a failure for Everton? D- despite ha- thinking about how much money um, the the owners put into the club, do you think that is something? that would be a failure or do you think no they need more time they're going to get this right eventually or do you think they've spent that much money they, that's what they should be aiming for minimum I think with Everton and the man they have in charge in Ronald Cohen uh, obviously everyone at, at, who, has, who spends that kind of money a season is aiming to get into the Champions League it's to sort of counteract that and get that money back but with Everton I don't think even with the money they spent they were getting to close to the top four personally I don't even think they're getting in the top six because you have Manchester United Manchester City Chelsea Tottenham Arsenal and Liverpool all ahead of them who are all better than them who are all going to who are all spent basically either a roundabout or just as much money basically as them um, and well apart from Tottenham of course because Tottenham basically left it way too late but I think they're, 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 they're really hoping they can get to that sort of upper echelon, basically, of footballing in the Premiership, but they're not going to get there. Even even the money they spent, basically, is not enough. I don't think they bought that many great players uh, to, to warrant, basically, getting into the top four. Um, so, yeah, they're going to they're gonna struggle. They'll probably finish around about eighth, to be fair. And um, going back to Tottenham, Harry Kane scored its 100th goal for for Tottenham, and I mean he's just been outstanding. You know, ever since he burst onto the scene, I think I remember it may have actually been my last year at university when he first started playing. I think Spurs were in the Europa League, and they had a lot of injuries to strikers. And I think who was it? It may have been Tim Sherwood who just started playing him because he was like, "This is the only striker I've got," basically. He kept scoring in the Europa League. He thought, well, I'll play him in the Premier League. Kept scoring, kept scoring. I, I can't remember him stopping apart from the month of August. And he's just been absolutely sensational since he's been playing. You know, is he the best striker in the Premier League at the moment? Maybe even the world? I wouldn't go as far as the world. Um, I would say he's definitely in the top three of the Premiership. Um Lukaku obviously is looking very good at Manchester United. I think what's helped him is now that he's left uh, Manchester, sorry Everton, and he's gone to Manchester United. He's got players around him that can actually move him up to that level he needs to be playing at. Uh, and I think, to be fair, Harry Kane is playing in a very good Tottenham side, uh, and he's making himself really good. Uh, but I really wonder what he could do if he had 
the likes of maybe Manchester United's players around him, maybe even moving him into Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, or maybe even Barcelona, and seeing just how much how good a player he can prove to be. And thank God it's not August anymore because he can finally start scoring goals again. Yeah, I'm sure he will be scoring many, many more goals and he will be a regular fixture on this show. I'm sure of that. Um, So we go to our last Premier League game of the show and we're just going to end a little mention for Chelsea this week. And they went away to Leicester City, which was a possible banana skin fixture, which we've discussed before. Um, But they managed to come away with a 2-1 victory away at Leicester. It was um, Alvaro Morata who scored again and he scored, I think, twice or three times on international duty as well. You know, he's been on sensational form. He hasn't stopped scoring. Um, and Golo Kante scored at his old club. Didn't celebrate, but it was kind of, it's quite funny actually because when I was watching Match of the Day, I didn't manage to see the game, but when I watched Match of the Day, I could see him with the ball and every now and again, because we know his shots aren't very good, he's good at you know, tackling, great, everything else, but shooting's not a strong point, but that's fine, that's why he doesn't play. And every now and again, when he picks up the ball, the fans all jokingly just start going, shoot, shoot. <laughs> and this time he did, and it kind of just went under, I think it like went underneath Harry Maguire's legs, kind of trickled in at um, Schmeichel's far post, and it was, it, was a, it was a good goal, to be fair. It was a bit of a pot shot, but it was, you know, went in. Vardy gave us a little bit of a scare when he scored 12 minutes later, um, with about half an hour left to play, but Chelsea managed to hold on, and it it seems like since the um, it seems like so so long ago now the the opening game against Burnley, Chelsea are finally starting to settle a little bit more, and now they have Arsenal at home on Sunday. Um, it feels like if they can get that win as well, which you'd expect them to, looking at the form of the two teams, then you can maybe start to look at them. James, I don't know about your opinion, um, but as possibly going back in as title favourites again? Yeah. Or contenders um, anyway, not favourites possibly. Yeah, I mean, I think to be to be honest, they probably could. Um, it was it was a very good game uh, between uh, Leicester and Chelsea. Chelsea basically, for me... Um, I don't. I've not not considered basically as uh, Premier League title contenders. I mean, they were the champions last season. They, I felt they strengthened pretty decently. I, I, I know apparently Antonio Conte wanted more, and maybe he didn't get basically as much as he wanted because obviously for some reason, yeah, the transfer window closed, and everybody's in. Everybody and their mum seemed to be turning down Chelsea, um, I, I, which I didn't understand to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think to be honest, to be fair, Chelsea have played really well this season. There's no doubt about that. Uh, apart from the, the the weird, bizarro world, basically that you know happened between Chelsea and uh, Burnley at the beginning of the season. But it was like last season. You guys started off poorly. You went on to win the the title, and I think you, Manchester United and Manchester City, are the ones to beat. And I think you guys will be in that top three come the end of the season and there'll be a three-way battle for the fourth between Liverpool, Tottenham and Arsenal. Uh, personally, I I don't think Chelsea will win it this season. I think Manchester City are too strong. I do, I do favour them for the title. But I think you'll be taking it down to the wire. 
Yeah, I do also think, um, obviously looking at it from a Chelsea perspective, I think it did help a lot last season that we didn't have any Champions League, any real cup competitions. Now that we are back in the Champions League, I think it could be very, very different this season. I think that's where we might fall short in a few more Premier League games. But we'll see. And um, hopefully I'll be in a good mood on uh, the next show after we've played Arsenal. I have a... I don't know, to be fair, because the last two times we played Arsenal, although one of them was on penalties in the Community Shield, we have lost both of those games. So, who knows? It's always an interesting game between Chelsea and Arsenal, but I'm sure it'll be one of our main feature games, depending on uh, on the score. I think if it's an Arsenal win, then the show's cancelled, and we'll see the week after. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we've we've had another good show, obviously. James, you haven't been... You haven't probably as enjoyed it as much as I have, but maybe it's good for lot, you no. to, to get it off your chest and you'll be able to hopefully go into the weekend and come back with well, to we've be able got, to talk about a Liverpool win. We've got a home game against Burnley, so hopefully um, you know, Burnley's like good luck runs out. It won't be like <laughs> no, Chelsea's hopefully home. not. But then again, we've had... I don't know if you know this, but uh, Joan Gomez got sent off right at the end of the Liverpool game as well. So that's two red cards in two games for Liverpool. So hopefully we can make it a third and we can make it like the Chelsea game at the beginning of the season. We will see. Um, So yeah, that's it for another week of full-time team talk. Um, James, can you let everyone know where they can find us? Yeah, we could, uh, you can find us basically on our Facebook page. uh, Just search for full-time team talk. Uh, You can also catch us on Twitter, which is at full-time team talk i can't remember the twitter to be honest because i don't have it in front of me team talk Um, podcast team talk podcast that's the one i will get it in my head at one point uh and you can also listen to our full-time team talk podcast on soundcloud acast and on itunes brilliant very expertly done there okay so we will see you next week thank you very much and goodbye